You know I'm right. The podcast that uncovers the origin stories of some of the biggest names in sports, entertainment, and so much more. And Joe, today we have a tremendous, entertaining athlete with us, and she's certainly golden, that's for sure. Absolutely. She had possibly one of the greatest uh, peaks for any individual athlete, arguably in the history of the country. Uh, she won gold at the 1997 uh, World Championships and won gold uh, at the Winter Olympics in Nagano in 1998. Uh, and she played that dynamic individual talent eventually into a further successful broadcasting career. Um, so she continues to analyze the sport and provide commentary on it. And we are really, really excited to have her on. We were finally able to create some time for her. Tara Lipinski. Tara, thank you for doing this with us. Welcome <laughs> to the course. show. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, we appreciate you coming on and we got a lot to discuss. So let's start with the, the right. first question, which is what made you start getting into figure skating? What, what, when did you first hit the ice and what was your inspiration for that? So I started ice skating at six, but I was actually three when I started skating in general. I started roller skating first, very social, obviously at three years old. My mom and her best friend had a daughter my age and it was in the paper that day, get a free Care Bear, take a lesson type of thing. And um, we went and I loved it. And also in fine print, it was like after 20 lessons of tiny tot classes, you got the free Care Bear. So course I had to stay till I got the free care and then it was for life and then at six um we just my mom and dad were were thinking like I wonder if she could ice skate as well or will she be able to translate what she's done on, on roller skates to ice skates will she like it better and then I competed in both for many years roller skating and well not many but probably three or four years and then finally just financially and time-wise it was impossible to compete in two sports so I chose ice skating. So you're you're in competitive ice skating then when did you realize that you know you were the best of your peer group and then ultimately when did you start to realize that you were one of the best in the world and could actually go to the Olympics? You know I you know you just kind of like even probably at six, seven, eight, nine, I was winning things. I was winning many competitions. So you know that, oh, wow, like I, I am good at skating, but we, we really probably didn't know that this was going to be at the elite level of I could buy for an Olympic gold medal. Um, I, I'd say around 1994 is when um, I was 12, when that sort of sparked a thought in people's minds from, I, I won a pretty competition um, against kids, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, 20 years old. And that was probably the first moment where I really took note of the 94 games thinking, could I possibly somehow miraculously get there in four years? So on your rise to that level, um, did everything come naturally to you? How often did you work with coaches and, and other people who improved your form and, uh, and all that? Because again, for you, it, it seems like, and you know, forgive me if I'm wrong here, 
it, it seemed like a lot of it just simply came natural, right? And, and some people are just blessed with that ability that other people just don't seem to have. It seems like people are almost destined to do the things that they do. It, evidently, you were very destined to do what you did, right? So what was that process like uh, through those years? You know, how often were you working with coaches and, and other people who were working on your form? So, you know, it, it starts so early. You get into a sport, you're, you're good at it, and then it just keeps going. And that's pretty much what happened with me. And I, I would say, you know, obviously as the years progressed, as I got better, more and more people became part of the team, more, and more lessons, more and more classes, more and more office, ballet, um, physical therapist, all of that. But um, I would say by the time I was, you know, 13, it was pretty intense at that point. So how nervous were you um, competing in the Olympics? Because there you read stuff online and uh, is there a real rivalry between you and, and Michelle Kwan going on at that time? Of course. Yeah, it was, um, it was, you know, that period hanging into the Olympics, the few years before that Michelle and I definitely were, were swapping titles and, you know, first place and second place back and forth. And, um, you know, it was, it was incredible for me to be part of it. I think it's what, pushed me and made me work harder than I would have without it. Just knowing I had to, to figure out a way to keep up with Michelle um, and find my little strategies to, you know, technically push the bar a little bit to, to bring myself some more points. And um, now obviously the stress of it is, is, is not there anymore. So you look back on it and you're like, wow, what a, an incredible time to be part of the sport and, and to be part of that rivalry obviously when you're in it, it's, it's pretty stressful, <laughs> but so it was purely it was competitive. Wild ride. What's that? Was it purely competitive? Yeah. You know, it was not, you know, that's the, the very ironic thing, especially in that time, right after everyone started watching figure skating after, uh, you know, 94 with Tanya and Nancy and, um, we couldn't have been more opposite. You know, we were just two kids, 15 and 17, who loved this, loved the sport, loved to skate, wanted to win. So on the ice, you know, would put out our absolute best. And I think it just made for good for a good show. Yeah, certainly dynamic, of course. And it was it was it was really something I think vaulted the next generation of skaters to uh, to another level just being able to see the two of you compete in that little span there so you, you win the gold obviously very happy you're relieved there after that i want to know like how much of a whirlwind was it for you when you get back home i'm sure you're someone's contacting you know someone on your team or your parents and like we want her on this show that show this show and you're just going all around so what was that whirlwind like for you? And then at, at what point did you actually get the chance to kind of sit and reflect on, wow, this just happened to me? Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was crazy. And it, it was a whirlwind. And I came home from the Olympics. And, you know, I think I, I slept for, for many, many days or weeks or months, to be honest, or even years at that point. My career as a professional skater um, really took off. And I was, you know, so busy touring the country and but but back to the Olympics I, I would say that you know it took a while to sink in and and I think you know and 
general, though, when you think about winning an Olympic medal, it's something that, you know, you dream about for so long. Skaters dream about it from the moment they step on the ice to, to years and years later, you know, 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, um, actually winning and it in that dream coming, you know, become a reality. And that right there is surreal itself. So even if it wasn't a whirlwind with press opportunities and, and engagements, it, it's more just really waking up the next morning and thinking, how is this possible? Yesterday, I wasn't, Olympic, I wasn't an Olympic champion and today somehow I am. And uh, in, a, in a certain aspect, I say that even to this day, sometimes I wake up and think, wait, did that really happen? Like I have to pinch myself. <laughs> what was it like for you right after that interacting with people in your hometown the same age as you, like a school setting or anything of that sorts? Because it must have been pretty crazy at that point. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was. And I think, you know, at that point, I was still enrolled into my high school, but I was touring and had years that traveled with me. Um, and I sent my work back daily. And it was, I was, you know, I graduated with a class, you know, a few years later after the Olympics and, you know, showing up to high school with kids that I barely saw, uh, you know, I definitely didn't have the norm or the normal experience of high school or you know a social life at that age so I was very much surrounded by my family my friends and and everyone my team inside the sport so the skating world was definitely my my family at that point then in the late 90s you get the opportunity to do a bunch of television appearances acting wise did you ever consider acting? How did those come about for you? You got to go on one of the best shows of the 90s, Seventh Heaven, which I'm sure was a surreal experience. But tell us about your acting career. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just something that organically happened because I was working with all these networks that um, I was doing my own skating specials with and doing these major television skating competitions and shows. And so they were these, you know, um, these deals that were put together where it was, it was skating was the bulk of it, but then some of it was like, oh, you, you need to appear on our show and our sitcom here. And, and so I got to do that and it was a blast. Obviously, you know, I had no real experience doing it, but came from the world of, I guess, entertainment and figure skating and, and putting on a show. So it, was, it, it wasn't, you know, so out there, but it was definitely a whole new world. And then, um, you know, I did so many of them over the years that I definitely suited a little bit where I'd be like, oh, I can go on an audition while I'm in town. Let's see what happens. And it was a, it was a fun um, period that and hosting things. I mean, that that's what I'm just so grateful for in my career looking back is that skating was at the height of its popularity. So it gave me so many opportunities and opened so many doors that I don't think every Olympic athlete always, always get. So you know, I look back on some of these moments and think, oh my God, that is so cool that I got to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And obviously you made the right choice, but at the time, you, know, you are the youngest person to ever win gold in figure skating history. So was it ultimately like a really tough decision for you to go pro and end your eligibility to compete in the Olympics again and defend your crown? Not really. Um, Back then, a lot of the skaters were doing that because skating was popular. There was so many other opportunities that, you know, obviously you want to win an Olympic medal, but, you know, as a little girl, I also, you know, stood on line for hours at Stars Nice, you know, trying to get a, an autograph for, from Scott Hamilton or Christy Amucci. So, 
you know, in the back of your mind, you kind of know if I win or if I, I do well at the Olympics, that that opportunity is also waiting for me and you can't do both. Um, so I think, you know, looking back, um, you saw a lot of skaters go pro from Oksana Bayul, Christy Yamaguchi. And um, for me, it just felt right. Of course, I'm, a, you know, a competitor at heart. So there was a part of me that, you know, was sad to leave behind that chapter and, and, and always wonder what if that next Olympics, I could defend that and do it again. Um, but truthfully, I, you just know when you know, and I, I kind of checked off all the boxes I wanted to national world's Olympics. And, um, I was just so ready to go on tour. Yeah. And obviously it all paid out for you. Made a lot of sense looking back on it after the fact and ultimately led to your, your great job now. So how did the opportunity for you to broadcast figure skating for NBC come about? I just, again, it, you know, it, it's so funny. I feel like so many of these steps in my career just happened without me knowing it. And, you know, from hosting and acting and then realizing I needed a little break from tour, living in LA, it just, um, one, one year I was watching the world championships and I thought, oh my goodness, that's something that I would love to do. And it seems like, you know, kind of a mix of all the things I, I do now and to still be part of my sport, obviously in a different way. Um, I really couldn't think of a better, you know, second career for myself. So yeah, I started at Universal Sports and worked my way up to NBC Sports, then NBC and been doing it for the last decade. Well, yeah. 12 years actually at this point. It's hard to believe how quick yeah. the games you've already done. So for you, how did the nerves compare between when you competed in the Olympics and your first ever broadcast of the Olympics? You know, it's nerve wracking for sure, but there's nothing that really compares to stepping, you know, center ice at an Olympic Games, knowing that the next four minutes could change your life. So, you know, it's definitely different experience. And um, I, I think, you know, there are certain aspects that are the same, you know, there's live television, it's that adrenaline rush it's you know it's, it's it's exciting and you got one shot to do it you know whatever you say that's coming out of your mouth is sort of plastered on that skaters program for life on the internet so you, you definitely have that level of, of pressure but it, it, it can't compare to <laughs> standing center ice well you, you certainly had some uh, iconic uh calls this past winter with with some controversial stuff so we appreciate yeah. uh, your moments there, but walk us through here the process of picking your outfit for each night of the broadcast and how many outfits get left on the dressing room floor that never see the light of day when the cameras go on. Yeah, I mean, Johnny and I have the system down pretty pat now where we bring a lot of suitcases, obviously, with a lot of different options and then you know, we really love to, to coordinate and to match and to figure out you know, what the vibe is for the day. And, you know, as skaters, that's what we we had to do. We were athletes that were in a sport where it was, you know, uh, an athletic, but also an artistic sport. So we had to think of the whole package. We had to think of the music we skated to and the costumes we wore. So obviously we're not wearing skating costumes anymore, but we still love to bring that that glam into, into the booth now. And hopefully entertain the people at home when we're on for those few minutes before the event starts. How challenging had it, has it been to 
broadcast these events from a little closet somewhere in Connecticut? You know, the studio was amazing because we've done a lot from from Stanford, um, where we are in this small little booth. But for for the Olympics, they they gave us the huge studios and the big screens. And obviously, it's very different than being in the arena, hearing the audience, feeling that energy. But I, I would say after a while, you just I forgot. I had no idea where I was. You're just so, you know, in it. And, and because the studio was was so set to take on skating, it felt, it felt so elevated and, and if, you know, not that you were there, but you felt like you were in the Olympics. Yeah, there's some awesome shows specifically about uh, figure skating and whatnot on Peacock, this Olympics. Uh, you, mm -hmm. had a great, you had some great spots on those shows, especially the show Winter Gold with Adnan Verk, you and Johnny had a iconic interview there. So <laughs> the studios are awesome. Yeah, agreed. I, I mean, I think like with Peacock, NBC does such a great job of sort of, you know, touching and, and covering all bases. So my grandma loves money. Just head over heels, like As in love should. with the guy. <laughs> I, I want, I need to know first, where did you meet him first? Was it during competition? Was it you guys, like when you guys were paired in the broadcast booth? You know, because I'm sure that story might be great. Yeah, we met um, at the studio. I was commentating the women's, he was commentating the men's. And we were hanging out late night, probably waiting for something. And obviously we knew each other in, in the world of figure skating. But um, so we actually had some one-on-one -on -one time and we were just sitting there and catching up and it just felt like we were supposed to be, you know, friends and um, it felt so natural and we just got to talking and eventually we were, were, were saying, why aren't we doing this together? Why are we doing it separately? And let's pitch NBC. And so we did and they gave us a little audition and, and then at that point the rest is history. Yeah, as somebody who casually watches and, and my mom and my grandma and I have family ties that go into skating, so we'll get to that towards the end. But uh, from my perspective, just watching from, as, from a casual fan perspective, the, the chemistry between you two, it, it literally jumps off the page and it's one of the rare, like, rare things that can't be replicated. So it, it's so good that you guys had the opportunity to cover other events, right? So right. the Summer Olympics... Uh, the Kentucky Derby, so the Kentucky Derby season, Triple Crown season, right? And uh, all the brilliant, brilliant outfits that you guys wear, yeah. the, the, the flair that you two have, like I said, it's, it jumps off the page. Uh, I believe the Super Bowl too. So yeah. uh, when did you guys know that you, the, the chemistry was going to lead uh, to the decisions that you guys start covering other events for NBC? Yeah, I mean, I think we really knew till it happened. You know, we went to Sochi at our first Olympics and we were part of the, you know, NBC Sports Network um, shows, not NBC Primetime. And we just wanted to do a good job, come home and not get fired, you know, as our first Olympics. And somehow we just really, you know, hit it off, not only together, the three of us for the first time with Terry Gannon, but it seemed that, you know, the people at home were tuning in and that, you know, we were kind of blown away by that. I remember being in Russia just thinking, you know, all of a sudden we created an Instagram page together and then all of a sudden we have all these followers and, I, and I'm and i like, well, who are these people and how do they know about us? And, 
you know, then you start getting calls from back home where, you know, you're getting requests and Jen Johnny this, Tara and Johnny that. And so it's sort of built at, at Sochi and then coming home and, you know, getting offered the primetime position and, um, you know, and even better, the other opportunities of you know, working a Super Bowl or a Kentucky Derby and dog show, we sort of showed up everywhere, which is, you know, again, another dream come true of these opportunities you never think you get as a figure skating broadcaster. Yeah, making, making the most of your opportunities. That's yeah. for sure. How often now do you hit the ice? I probably skate, well, you know, with the pandemic, it's, it's, it's been different and, and harder to just kind of get out there, but I try to do it every few months just to keep it up. So I know that I never really lose it. There you go. Can't be too far away. So when you are, you know, listening to the radio or maybe Spotify, whatever, and one of the songs you perform to comes on, do you get like flooded with all these mixed emotions and also... How did you go about picking those songs? Because for the casual person, I guess they don't realize how important it is that the, the song matches the routine. Yeah, I mean, I think that I um, probably get a rush of emotion and, and, you know, just this nostalgic feeling of, you know, taking me back to touring or competing or some show when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, which is always just, you know, you get a kick out of that, and um, you know, yeah, back, back to your original point of how important it is to, to pick music that, you know, not only matches your style of skating personality, but that you, you hope to connect to the audience that's watching it and create a certain style for yourself and, you know, build your portfolio as a performer and, and, and uh, you know, looking back on those days, I loved them. I loved being part of that artistic creative process where it was, you know, I, I love to jump and I love the athletic side of skating, but I also really enjoyed um, entertaining and, and putting together the, the, the total package. Absolutely. So when you're on, when you are on the air with your broadcast, you're on for a long time, maybe not, not showing the full thing, but you're, you're there doing hours straight. And especially this past Olympics, very different with the time because you're in the Eastern time zone and you know at the olympics so curious how do you go about i guess we could say staying hydrated and um you know being full of energy like are you eating before during after because i'm assuming you know there's no breaks you can't say let me run out here and take a break yeah, no. <laughs> what's the process like there on a, on a, on a yeah. day of events we definitely eat before because the hours can be six hours long in the booth and we have water, we have coffee. We're always supplied with, you know, the, the stuff to keep us going and little snacks on the table. I always have chocolate of some sort hidden there. Um, tons of wrappers at the end of the day. But, you know, it, again, you're on live television and that feeling of, um, you know, the, whatever you're saying and whatever's coming out of your mouth is being laid down, um, you know, for all the viewers at home, there is a level of focus and intensity um, that has to be there. And the great thing about that though is it feels like it goes by in an hour, not six. So it, it never feels, I mean, sometimes, sometimes we're, we're exhausted and your mouth is, is like, you know, having trouble forming words by the end, but most of the time it feels 
you know, wow, when it went in a blink of an eye. Yeah, must, you know, I'm curious, does it feel faster, that event, when you're broadcasting it versus when you were competing in it? Because I can imagine for competing, it really is like kind of draws, drags on. Yeah, it probably felt much longer when, you know, you actually had to wait to compete, you know, and you were in the last world group of 50 skaters. So this, this definitely has a flow to it and you get into it and you're telling all these stories and um, you know, know what's to come that so many times, because they're, they're broken up into warm-up groups of usually five or six skaters. And um, sometimes I think, oh my goodness, we just did 12 skaters and it, it felt like one. Right. Crazy. I wanted to ask you here, we always ask our guests this because it's our signature question. It goes with our show name. What in your career, whether it's your skating career or your broadcasting career, would you consider your you know a right moment. So what we mean by that is a time where you wanted to pursue something and do something. You ask somebody for advice. They say, ah, I don't know, Tara, I don't think you should do that. And you say, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And ultimately, you will see why it is that I'm right. I would say probably my Olympic short program, there's a short program and a long program. And I was 15 and on, uh, the, the animated Anastasia had just come out and I loved it. We actually got a hold of music before it actually was released. And when I heard it, I thought this resonates so deeply to who I am at this age. And of course, you know, everyone on my team was wanting me to skate older and to pick those classical pieces to, to disguise the fact that I was just 15. And I remember really putting my foot down and, and saying I wanted to skate to this, that the, the lyrics meant something to me. It helped me um, get through the program. It meant something to me. And I don't think I knew it at the time, just being 15, but I'm glad that I made that choice now. Not only was it a, you know part of my Olympic experience that I think worked, who knows, maybe if I skated to something else, it would have been better. But you know, looking back now, I'm so glad I skated to something that was appropriate for my age and reflected who I was at the time. And it really meant something to me. So I'm always glad that I, I you know, really fought for that program. Uh, so before I mentioned that I have figure skating ties in my own family. So my great aunt, so my mother's aunt, uh, actually was a gold medalist in the ice pair in Lake Placid in 1982, wow. in ice dancing. Yes, her name was Genevieve Damascio. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Yep. Yes, very impressive. Uh, eventually yes. she wanted to be a Rockette, but they told her she was too short, which well, I don't know how you deny somebody who goes <laughs> old and dancing pairs on, on the ice, I, that's ridiculous. Right. But so um, it, was, it was my great aunt who taught my mom how to skate. And my mom hasn't skated in a long time, but when she was younger, she was actually really, really good. So uh, my last question for you, Tara, before we let you go, is what is your singular best piece of advice uh, for young people, young girls out there, young guys out there who uh, are looking to do this? Um, you know, not everybody does reach the Olympics, but for those who have an interest in this, who have a passion for this, who want to do this, uh, what would your best piece of advice be to those people? It, you know, just uh, from my own experience uh, and, uh, you know, what do I really know? But I do think that 
you know, obviously to, to reach success, you have to give up so much, you have to sacrifice so much, you have to work so hard and, and putting in that work is not easy. And it, and it definitely isn't easy if you don't have that spark and passion for what you're doing and that you, you wake up every day and if it's a good day, it's amplified and exaggerated and it feels so good. And for me, landing that jump, you know, felt like a trip to Disney World every time I did it. And that pushed me, that kept me going, that let me, um, you know, get through the harder times and the days that I didn't want to be at the rink and the obstacles and the disappointments and the losses and you know, so my advice is always make sure you really love what you're doing because it's going to be so much harder, especially years down the line and nothing really ever goes smoothly. So it, it, when you hit those bumps in the road, when you like what you're doing, it makes it that much easier. And I think especially at the, you know, those moments, an Olympic moment, that's what's going to maybe sometimes give you that edge. You know, you mix that with your talent and your hard work, but that passion and, and that love for what you do, um, I think is what, what shines through. And I see it in the athletes now that are winning Olympic medals. There's always that little spark and it, it helps them through. Incredibly hard to do. And like I said, what you did is a remarkable accomplishment. It's one of the greatest individual achievements in the history of this country legitimately in the history of the country. So, so nice over there. Thank yes, you. <laughs> you're very welcome. Uh, Tara, thank you again for doing this with us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, and what Nick and I do is we always give our guests here the last words. So uh, there are a lot of places we can find you. You know, it's, you're not really hard to find anymore, <laughs> but uh, if, there's any, if there's anything else you would like to share or, or promote or any personal words that you have, uh, please, by all means, go ahead. And, and once again, thank you for doing this with us. Of course, yeah. No, I mean, obviously, you know, nowadays you can you can follow me on Instagram. But one of the the projects recently that I'm most proud of is my husband, who's a sports uh, director. He and I teamed up and did a Peacock series, a, a four part series for Peacock called Meddling. Um, so you guys should check that out on the 2002 judging um, scandal in Salt Lake City, and um, we went to Russia and France and Canada all through a pandemic, which was crazy, but so proud of that project that recently came out and, and being able to do it with my husband is, is special. But yeah, you know, find me and Johnny next skating season. We just finished this year. So next October, we'll see ya. <laughs> I gotta tell you, your husband Todd's 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman. Yeah. One of the best ever. Thank Just you, I'll have to tell him that, yeah. Yeah, the access, him on the stage talking, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, we did well, huh? <laughs> One of the best. All right, Tyler, we really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, a lot of fun here. And hopefully everybody takes your advice to heart and we'll be on the lookout for you next skating season and many more skating seasons to come. So that's going to do it here for this episode of You Know I'm Right for our very special guest, Tyler Lipinski, my co-host, Joe Calabrese. I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right.